everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Two Left Feet, the unofficial Labour Party podcast. We hope you've all been well this week, and this week we're going to go and travel into political history. Um, not actually physically, but, you know, we'll be talking about what's going on in about the 1910s, or certainly after 1900 up to about 1920. Uh, we are going to discuss today... On the unofficial Labour Party podcast, someone who put the footings in place to then develop what would become the welfare state in the decades to follow. So, if you want to comment or uh, send us a message on anything that we discussed today, you can get in touch with us on email. It's labourpod at gmail.com. Twitter and Facebook, it's at LabourPod. We're on different platforms, so many different podcast platforms now. You can hear us anywhere you want. Uh, so don't forget to like, share and subscribe and comment where possible. But before that, humanoids, let's introduce my co-host, the co-host of the most, your friendly local neighbourhood councillor, Councillor Jabez Oaks. Hello, Jay. Is this our attempt at a um, a podcast of relevancy by talking yeah, about yeah. a Welsh politician who's from the Liberal Party in nineteen, like yeah, <laughs> the, the turn of the last century. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah this is this is what we do. So okay. this is relevant, up to date, uh, and and obviously newsworthy. Yeah. <laughs> right okay now th- th- there's a reason why because i said it said in last week's episode that it, it, we would be doing more sort of historical yeah. pieces mm. and, it, and it you know so we improve our knowledge as well I think. so we could bro- yeah, yeah improve our knowledge because you know because uh, because i've had a good read up about uh the the person that we're speaking about today which jay would you like to tell the listeners who we're talking about David Lloyd George. David Lloyd George, also known as the Welsh Wizard. Uh, there's an importance of why we want to talk about David Lloyd George, because, like I said at the top of the show, he was one of the founders and architects of what would become the welfare state. Now, okay, he was in, as you pointed out quite rightly, he was in what was the Liberal Party at the time. But... I wouldn't call him a. He's not a liberal by today's standards. Uh, if anything, as Tony Benn once said about David Lloyd George, he was that left wing that had he been in the new Labour government under Tony Blair, Tony Blair would have thrown him out. <laughs> well, he did. Yeah, he was. A, it was a shift, a huge shift in um, the way we look at helping the poor and having a how the state supports people. It it all started with him and that moving that that way yeah away, but, away from the old yeah, poor he, laws and yeah and he, he'd, he'd and, seen growing up in you know northwest wales uh a, a, a two-tier system where and, and i think that there's biographers that i've read that say that it was to do with um his religious upbringing so the the church's involvement within the, the school system <clears throat> pardon me uh, the church's involvement within the school system. So he had, to, I think the, the, the one of the biographers said that when he was in school, they used to have to give this recital to the Anglican vicar uh, once a year, uh, whatever ceremony it was. And obviously he was from a non-conformist, you know, capel, Welsh chapel uh, side of it. And that was his family side, which was seen as more of the poorer uh, Welsh sort of, way of, of, of worshipping, whereas the Anglican church was more of a richer, more middle class, more 
um, you know, the well-to-do go and worship in the Anglican churches. And during a a lesson, he was asked to recite whatever the, the vows were. And he basically said, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I don't believe in it. I don't want to do it. And it and 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 the point that he made it across to the teacher was this is ridiculous. We shouldn't be doing this. Uh, and, I, and I think the biographer said it, the teacher pretty much agreed, but told him off at the same time. And that's where his start was. He he felt that there was, um, and certainly if you look in the later parts of his his, his young adult career when he became a solicitor, uh, and 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 was working out. I think it was Porth Maddog. Um, I think that the, the solicitor's still there today. The the firm, yes, it is, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and then, well, you 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 know a bit about the 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 famous case that put him into politics. I, I haven't read up on it, but it's 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 the case you mentioned it to me originally, and it and it, and it sort of sparked um, the, a memory, yeah, memory of first year law, <laughs> all those years ago. Um, you know, like judges. You know, nowadays, obviously, we have a concept called jury infallibility which is when juries juries will go against will not go against but the, but their view is they should find a different way to what to what the they're advised to says, yeah. yeah because because what you're saying is is that a judge will advise a jury a judge will do a summing up yeah and, and you, sometimes rarely the judge will say based on the evidence presented there is no conclusion you can reach except guilty or yeah. not guilty and the jury will sometimes go against that just for the listeners, mm. um, the case that we're on about there was a it was it was a case in uh, North Wales here, well Northwest Wales, um, where a person had died, passed away, and wanted to be buried in the same churchyard as his daughter, I think, uh, who had passed away years before. The daughter was buried in an Anglican church graveyard. He was a nonconformist. Uh, the vicar on the, on. The, the the approach of the, the, the procession locked the gates to the churchyard to stop a nonconformist being buried within the, the that, that Anglican graveyard. Uh, a phone call went on. A message went out to Lloyd George, uh, David Lloyd George, who, who was a solicitor in the nearby town. He advised them, break the lock, please bury your uh, your family member in with it you know next to your fa- other family members that's fine just do it which they did buried buried the father there and then he went to court with where he got his name from and he basically they said he had an impassioned uh, case that he put forward that the jury at the time went away came back and sided with um the defense so that sided with david lloyd george and the family the judge who was a had interest in well, he was an Anglican, and there were doubts raised as to his um, bias. Is it, yeah, is it, is he, mis- he misrecorded. It's not a case of jury infallibility, but it, re- it reminds me of um, a time when judges would often lock juries up <laughs> until they came back with the right verdict. Really, he didn't do that in this case. He just misrecorded the jury's verdict. Is that what it was? Yeah. Because they, yeah, because then he just he just he just yeah. And it was taken. It was Went taken to the um, divisional court, the, the high court, court, yeah, court and sessions, and um, it was overturned. Yeah, the judge was overturned, and, mm-hmm. and and David Lloyd George won his case. And then from there, he then uh, gained a lot of notoriety and fame, for, for in, in, certainly in the local area, for for helping the people in Gwynedd. 
And he was eventually elected, oh, I can't remember which year, it was 1890 something. 1888, that early. Yeah, it was a pretty quick, it was pretty light, it was a huge victory. And then he was straight into Parliament, yeah, adopted as the candidate for Carnarvon. Yeah, Boroughs. For for the Liberal Party. So this is, so for anyone thinking
When was the split between in the Liberal Party between Lloyd George and Herbert Asquith? I think when they proposed the, the budget. Initially. It, was, it was immediately yeah. after, was mm. it? Uh, so Lloyd George pushes a budget in 1909, which basically taxes rich landowners to provide finances for social care and to push um, uh, 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 basically, was it social housing and things like that that he was trying to push for? Um, so there'd already been some form of um, insurance. So oh, it, was, that's it was to do with that sort of. It was a yeah, precursor to national, the idea. The idea of national, of national insurance. insurance yeah. That was it. Mm. Uh, so when this whole budget came through and the costing for it was was delivered, yeah. it was basically very wealthy landowners would be taxed on their land that they owned. Well, this is how bizarre it, it wasn't even their their land value. It was increases in their land value. So yeah. as their land value, it wasn't even like, oh, we're going to tax you for the large amount of land you have. It was just how much as it was ma- some like capital gains tax. Or yeah, yeah, it's similar to yeah. you know, mm. what was quite openly oh, accepted. Stamp, stamp tax, I suppose. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, now, listeners, now you, you might be very surprised by this, but these rich landowners who had all of this uh, you know, wealthy amount of land. And guess what? They were also peers of the realm. You know, some of them were, well, quite a lot of them were lords in the House of Lords, didn't take to this budget quite well. In fact, they pushed against it to the point where they rejected the uh, the 1909 budget. Yep. And sent it back to the Commons and said, no, we are, not, we are not ratifying this. This is not going for ascension. And back then, um, only 100 odd years ago, which is how mad our country is, it meant all these hereditary landowners could actually stop a government's yeah stop it a, a political full stop <laughs> politically yeah. elected mm-hmm. representatives of the people and it, and this is and this is where the first big change to the house of lords occurred which we were talking about before because by 19 oh yeah in the meantime before that parliament act came up because the parliament act basically was a reform on the house of lords lords where they could not they could only delay st- certain bills yeah which is which is still yeah. which is still the function well still the system that's used today no there were further reforms which which made the time less yeah so but i think the first one it was two parliamentary sessions which is two years normally yeah. and then now it's now nowadays it's one parliamentary session which which um generally makes it a lot quicker a lot quicker yeah, yeah. But besides that, the, the whole concept that the David Lloyd George pushed was that the Lords could not stop, ultimately no. stop, a Act of Parliament from the House of Commons. It, it gave the power to the House of Commons to, to force through bills. Yeah, which has, happened, without, which has happened quite a few times. Yeah, the, the most recent one, famously the most recent one was defox hunting. Do you know what, I was, was going to say it must have been Blair's government. Yeah. Because that, that was that was the whole point. That whole, that first year in 97-98 was massive, they got a lot massive done. reform. Mm. Yeah, hell of a lot done. Um, so, David Lloyd George, by 1911, pushes through and, and f- forces the House of Lords into a position where they have to accept. Otherwise, because there were further threats. Because David Lloyd George was actually going around the country. Well, the saying, king got involved as well. The king got involved, mm. and basically, what did he? he hang on, the, uh, uh, come on, you're the the royalist here. Which, king George the fifth was um, it, or was it Edward the seventh? I think it was the fifth. Um, I thought it was Edward's. Yeah, it was George the fifth. I knew it was George the fifth. 
So it was George, you know, George yeah, the Fifth. King George the Fifth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I basically said, what did he said something along the lines of? He said, if you of, need this bill passed, I'll, I'll just. I'll get just make more of, peers. Yeah, load of liberal peers. As yeah, many as you want. As many peers as you want and to mm-hmm. force it through. Well, that was the thing. Again, not to go back to the Constitution, but like the King has to kind of listen to the Prime Minister. So it was basically. We, we don't know. It's always dressed up as the King was perfectly happy to help when actually it's a bit more like. He has to do what, you know? Yeah. So all the options were being explored. As you say, David Lloyd George was travelling around the country. Yeah, yeah. And But then, then his speech, speeches that he was going around the country were on the line of, if this does not pass, if my budget does not go through, he was saying revolution and insurrection. Because, of course, if you think about the timing in 1911, that, you know, there were other, other countries across the world. France wasn't too long ago but it was still well no actually it was quite long ago um other countries like russia uh oh, they a big one yeah mm. uh, well it wasn't into it, it was coming for mm. russia i think they were 1917 mm. so there's a lot of uh, you know uprising and turmoil so david lloyd george going around saying we shall rise up against these classes was a big statement in 1911 hence why the king uh would say things like, "We'll just pack the the well, house." It's exploring up. all the options, yeah. isn't it? You know? Now, now, mm. moving on from that, so he managed to get this massive social reform in, and then war breaks out. Yeah, uh, nineteen fourteen, World War One. As, as you know, I'm sure the listeners know the history of that. Um, Lloyd George was not convinced of war to start off with, I believe, until the point where Belgium was attacked. So he he he. Whereas the 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 talk of war was being ramped up before that point, um, he was as you you'd imagine slightly liberal. But when nineteen fourteen came along and Germany attacked Belgium, he went full headlong into it. Now we're at war. They have attacked. They have attacked Belgium, and I don't know if if um, the fact that Belgium's the same size of, as Wales or something that he he felt that. But he went full into it, and he was known as a wartime chancellor. Um, certainly regarded by many. By the time the war ended, he was Prime Minister after 1916. Mm. Um, after, was it Herbert Asquith was ill? and Was it? I'm not too sure there. Um, and, then he, and then he was seen as the victor of World War I before, well, the Great War wasn't, you know. He was Minister of Munitions. He was, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, because because you, experience, mm. because back in 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 that sort of time, it, it needed organising on a very, 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 very large scale. The, the whole concept, because at the time Ramsay MacDonald, who was, um, you know, the the Labour Party was he? Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't leader at the beginning of the war. Um, had said quite often that he was against war. He voted against war, and he was damned for it to start off with. But by 1919, 1920, when Ramsay MacDonald came back to the Houses of Parliament as an MP, he he was seen more in a favourable light as we shouldn't have gone to war. There should have been more talking. By, by 1918, David Lloyd George had, as, as people said, he was at the height of his powers. And if he wanted to be Prime Minister forever, he could have been at that point. Now, by 1920, he his sort of stock went down. And I say stock went down in a, in a in a in a sort of nice little link that 
the he Marconi was, affair. Yeah, well, he he was. <laughs> yeah, he did have a few um, issues where today I think they'd call it insider trading. I think back then they called it insider trading. <laughs> I think it was. Well, wasn't it after these sort of situations that it then became? Well, because it wasn't illegal at that point. It wasn't against the law. No, but it was. It became yeah. against the law because of high-profile cases like David Lloyd George. Um, now, going through the 20s, uh, he did try and push more social reform. But, unfortunately, because of the political turmoil after the war and, and certainly um, what happened in the 1920s with all the different kinds of governments and Stanley Bolden getting involved and Ramsay MacDonald, that his ability to push a his liberal agenda um, started to wane especially when the Labour Party had come in and actually shown uh, a, a definite left-wing way of dealing with a financial crisis after a brutal war. Because remember, when David Lloyd George was Prime Minister in 1918, he said that he would create a, a nation and a home fit for heroes. And then by 1920, he, he didn't fail... Well, he, he didn't go as far as he was he, he was hoping, uh, especially when it came to uh, jobs, because by was it nine, there was two two and a half million people out of work. Well, it all tied in with the Great Depression, so yeah. all the beginnings of the Great Depression. Well, yeah, yeah with the, the Depression here. Mm. So there were there were clearly you know going back to that sort of shift in stuff. There was the Employment Insurance Act, nineteen twenty, which extended national insurance to 11 million additional workers um agricultural act 1920 which provided for farm labourers to receive a minimum wage uh, while the state continued to guarantee farm produce until 1921 was that was that sort of the first concept of minimum wage then i think so because it because farming was a sort of it was a was necessity a it was a government yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it was controlled sort of system um, there's also the Mining Industry Act 1920, which placed a mandatory requirement to provide social welfare opportunities to mining commu- communities. Is that in terms of housing? I think so as well. Is that, is that loads what? of stuff with housing as well. There's there's things he's done like um house housing and town planning Act 1919, which we said subsidies, which for, we said yeah. before because he it was the slums that mm. he he was deeply mm. um, concerned about and and that he didn't want to see massive poverty in inner cities from people in well decrepit dwellings mm. you know where disease was rife well i think it's you know i mean not to we're getting dangerously close to the subject of my um dissertation which i won't are we <laughs> yeah so um um the poor laws um but the you know before this time there hadn't really been a big sort of impetus on the state has to do things domestically which don't just involve you know, crime enforcement yeah. and, you know... But then even the, well, you know, the if you're economy. going back as far as Robert Peel and things like that, the whole point of the police force or the service at the time was to protect the interests of those who, who owned things. Yeah, they, they were, property crime. They were, yeah, yeah, they were security mm. guards more than... Well, you know, and then it, it took a, a, a bit more time before they were seen as mm. uh, people who... But but this gov- this the, government the was the first sense of the liberal notion of egalitarianism. We're going to get everyone to the same level, and then you can try. Yes. Go further. Yeah, yeah. Well, they said this is the, this is why we're talking about David Lloyd George mm. because he was one he was one of the first politicians to have the concept of a safety net 
that there is a a, a a minimum that everyone should be able to receive enforced by the state and then from there opportunities should be you know it's your own opportunities then to to mm. make more of yourself um which is a, which is which is a, it's a liberal idea oh it can it, and it, and it all connects into to the, to the story of britain you know the um you know the fact that he he had to fight to get these reforms through and before that we relied on a system of you know a sort of network of charity giving almshouses workhouses going back and back to the 1300s now we're seeing that shift back to charity reliance yes. through banks that sort of yeah thing. a classic and it, example and it's, it's always that balance what does the state do and what does the good hearts of private citizens do and where where do those roles where yeah fit in and, and how where they, you know sometimes i you're talking about the food banks now i'm talking i'm talking about food banks and at the, the, third, moment, the third sector as well you yeah know, the whole sort of sometimes you know, charities getting involved isn't the best thing for the cause no, but they have to. They, because they, they, have, like they because have to. Because they feel like they have to. Yeah. And, it, and it's a horrible situation because certain mm. governments and certain ones that we've been having mm. recently um, allow to create this void for uh, charitable people to fill that gap with their efforts. But that shouldn't be the case. And this is this is, this is what happened. Well, it's worth... I think, I think this is why we need to... This is how it ties into the relevant current times. Yeah. Is it's... Um, his reforms... Austerity is the exact opposite of that. It's sort of it's it's scaling it all back, and it's not just about cutting cuts, cuts, cuts. It's about changing the role of the state. Yes, and it's a politi- it's politically motivated, good intentions. There's a there's a solid theory behind it. What do you mean with, with with austerity? No conservative theory. The the reason why they're doing it. They lie about why they're doing it. They're saying it because we can't afford it. But the reason they say why they're doing it is ideologically it's consistent. It's just wrong. And it doesn't... Well, that the state should not interfere in people's... The state shouldn't interfere and people themselves are better at looking after society. You know, that... Self-governance. Yeah. So... Rather than regulation. In a way, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which personally, I, I can't agree with because... It just ends up being that you get these situations where people don't eat, mm. people don't have. You know, it, it's it's the whole concept of, you know, some people go home to see what's for what's for tea, and there's nothing, and some people go mm. home to see if there is any tea. Yeah, and that should never happen. Not mm. in a not in a state where, as a whole, we produce enough, we create enough, we have enough wealth, mm. and the state does have a responsibility to make sure that all its citizens have the ability to have a minimum platform to stand on then yeah make make what what you can after that do you know when make the, first, the, most of the first poor laws were passed go on as a result of two reasons one henry the apes falling out of the catholic church right. which destroyed the network of monasteries charities yeah. arms that helped to poor people and also the black death really yeah because it because it destroyed you know, a huge amount of the workforce. Yeah, People yeah. couldn't find work, money, all of this. It, it, it was a bit like the pandemic of last year in a way, but much, much worse. A third of the population were killed. Yes. And it was seen by the, they were called humanists, part of government. And they, right. they basically said, we need to set up a government system of almsgiving, giving, which, 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 which is So this is Black Death era. 
Yes, there were two areas which are called Black Death. Which areas, was... Hang on. 1300s and 1600s. And 1600s, yeah. And the, the, the upshot is it was the first form of, of serious government intervention in the welfare of its citizens in Europe, certainly. Yeah. Possibly the world. And we forget that history, and we always look, you know, and, and we and we we look to the poor laws, and and we look to workhouses and the cruelty involved in that. But in terms of um, comparisons and progressiveness, it was the first steps to where we are now, yeah. which is a welfare state. Yeah, through, through David George Lloyd, Lloyd. That was David huge, Lloyd George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a huge because because you got to think he set out for the next. So when he was Chancellor, late 1900 mm-hmm. to the teens, and then Prime Minister, his agenda was then discussed and and debated and pushed through and improved upon for the next 60 years. Yeah. Certainly the next 50 years of politics came from the back of that one man. Well, the compromise position of ins- of national insurance. That is a compromise. Yes. You don't get it for free. You pay into it. You pay it. into it. And that, that is ultimately a compromise. If you look at some communist the third, states, Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a third way. <laughs> it was a third way. We, we like that phrase, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so just... but, no, but, but, I mean, okay, you can take the mick out of player all you want, but it, it shows that, that in certain circumstances, that idea that there is a middle ground you can meet and everyone can be satisfied and in, and because you've got to think after that and certainly um okay maybe the 20s 30s weren't the best sort of period to uh for workers because of the mass unemployment in in both decades but certainly by the 50s and 60s you had a massive healthy educated workforce that were producing so much you know you, you think the boom of, of the, the well 50s 60s of all these different products all these different ideas all of these different inventions all these all from the fact that people aren't as concerned over oh well which bit of bread that they can afford today that they can actually put their mind to being successes and push uh, the boundaries of technology through an education system that they've been given for nothing, and certainly by the time the seventies come along, uh, and a lot of these people are now university educated, the advancements this country has seen on the back of looking after and providing a stable, safe platform for all its citizens has benefited us so much in the in, certainly in the last fifty years. To see to see us going backwards now. Going backwards, where we do have now situations where the minimum basic requirements for people to live are now being targeted as unnecessary cost from this these heartless governments. Or a cash flow problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we don't have a magic it's, money tree to yeah, pay for any Dom, of this. Dominic Raab said to a this person who had to go with disability assessment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, 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 they're it's all... often a cash flow problem. And he, he quoted the Trussell Trust, which are a food bank, so national food bank system. Do you know, do you know what? I, and, I... and he misquoted them. He got it. He lied, yeah. basically. And yeah. And, the, and this is the thing. So yeah. when you're sort of listening to this podcast thinking, why the hell are we talking about David Lloyd George or even any of these points in history? It's because it is relevant to today. These things were fought for by brilliant politicians and by brilliant people at the time for causes that were absolutely justified. The protection and the basic requirements of, of the protection of basic requirements for people of this country and any countries, every government across the world has the duty to protect its citizens, comes from long, hard, 
fighting that it took centuries to get to. It took 50 years to refine. And it's and what is it, 40 years of th- since Thatcherism has been... Well, we ought to do that on a future podcast, discuss how it's been sort of reversed and when and it, it started. But, but it's slowly yeah. eroded. Mm. It's not... It, in the same aspect that I've, and I've said to you before, that the whole thought form of marxist revolution was utter nonsense mm-hmm. that the idea apart from russia but, but that was you know apart from a, a couple of countries britain karl marx saw britain as being the the first to to be the one to of, buckle to mm-hmm. buckle and mm-hmm. and a revolution and actually and i've said this before a revolution did come but it took decades yeah it took a hundred years mm-hmm. and it took sort of little fights a constant battle of little fights to win those positions, to continuously make sure that the base and the platform and the solid foundations of our country were formed and created for all citizens, not just the, uh, the, the, the privileged few. And from that, the strength of this country went from leaps and bounds. And certainly, you know, before World War Two, it was getting to that position. Mm. And then slowly, in 40 years, since 1979... That has reversed slowly but surely by losing one fight, one little fight after another little fight after another little fight. We are going backwards. Yeah. To ev- and, and that ideology isn't conservatism. No, 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 no. Conservatism is to, it's, sl- it's to, to slow down. Yeah. You know, we, we've have we've had conservative reform, which is Sometimes. slow. This is what you were talking yeah. about. How slow? How long it's taken in some ways? Yeah. Too long in some ways. This isn't conservatism. This is something else. No, this this is, and I and I hate to say this is a neoliberalism. Sorry. Oh, it's not neoliberal. No, <laughs> no, no, is, no, it's not. We can get into that. No, because time. it's. It, yeah. I think it's an influence from our American cousins, mm. and certainly a republicanism sort mm. of uh, influence where Reaganomics. Reaganomics, yeah, yeah, mm. and and it and it and well, it's called monetarism. I mean, we did we don't get into it now, but it, that's definitely when it started to decide this. Um, shift again another shift from keynesianism to monetarism in britain which um changed the focus of the economy from ensuring full employment to ensuring low interest rates there you go yeah and that that was the beginning of this sort of slow you know slow erosion mm. over time and this is the thing okay i know labor party in in the uk labor party at the moment might not be appealing to everyone, but certainly you've got to look at it. If you think you are not on the target of something of yours being cut, some service, so if it, if it's you know healthcare, if it's anything, you, anything that the state is that roads, for instance, the most socialist thing that you can see in front of you in every day is roads, free for use of the point of free to use at the point of use. You, you can you any pedestrian can walk on it, any car can go on, any bike can go on it. I promise you, there will be a point where the whole idea of private roads may come in, just like in the USA. Well, there are private, toll roads. There are private ro- roads. There's private motorways. There's private. Yeah, well, know, they the, do the this. M6, yeah. The M6 toll, that's already started. So that so if you ever suddenly go on a bad bit of motorway, I guarantee it's owned. It's privately owned or privately built. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, mm. well, not in this country because it's highways. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Not getting into that one. Um, so back to David Lloyd George. So I don't know you've got the the wiki article. So could you finish the um, that list of 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 things that he did get through policies that he did get through? Um, we pretty much covered covered it. Um, 
before because he was obviously a, a he was doing foreign policy stuff at the same time but um the last little thing he did was old age pensions were nearly doubled so from 26 pounds five shillings to 47 pounds five shillings a year does it give a date of roughly when that was because uh, that was that, that that was one of the big things at the time is where old age pen, old age pension was a, a, an issue because 1920 1920 I said it was around mm. 1920 so because a lot of older persons were then having to rely on their kids which the adult kids to take care of them in a system that they could barely afford to take care of themselves mm. so you know here's a th- here's a thing for all of you uh people coming to old age pension you know age now and you vote tory well imagine your pension disappearing because that's a socialist thing to do that's a left-wing thing to, to claim. Well, it, it, it's surprising the amount of people I talk to and they say, and it's, you know, it's shocking really because they're, they're there saying, well, is this all I'm going to get? And I'm like, well, yeah. And and they're like, well, I've paid into this my whole life. Like we, our society, whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, understands that our government and what you get from it functions because you pay into it. Yes. So, and... David Lloyd George came up with that notion. Him and other people came up with that notion. That that's how we were going to do it. That's how we were going to get the state to look after people was by saying through national insurance to to others. Well, we'll make them pay taxation. You know, it's all it's all basic government stuff. But it feels like nowadays and in this current climate that has to be explained. Yes, which is worrying. But yeah, and and, it, and and not even explained to normal voters because they do understand it. I speak to them; they do understand it. It's explaining it to other politicians <laughs> and other <laughs> like scholars of, yeah. Right. Um, before we close our episode on David Lloyd George, I think there's there's a couple of things we have to mention about his life. Um, one thing being he he was he was a controversial figure in because uh, especially towards the end of his life because he he did sort of associate himself with the Nazis. He went to Germany. He did. And he had a look at a few projects they were doing. He did. And I'm not going to fall for the trap that the right wing often do, which is they were called the Nationalist Socialist Party. But there were a lot of projects. They they, they basically reformed the country into being a yeah. singular un- centralised power unit. Yeah. Which then turned into fascism. But, you know, whatever. Um, But he, he, he basically was hoodwinked by... Well, I don't know if he was hoodwinked, but... He was advised not to go. Yeah. He had yeah. been advised he, he not to go. He was advised not to go, and, and he, he went still anyway. Yeah. yeah. And he said and Hitler was the greatest German in whatever. Yes. Yeah. Which, there we go, things like that do happen, I guess. Not... He did have lapses of, of judgment in his political career. Um, but overall... He was a force for good. Yeah. Cons- yeah. Uh, consequential. In- incom- Try again. Inconsequential? I can't Inconsequential. Remember. Yeah. Or he was consequential. Is that one of those words that means the same thing, like inflammable? Well, non-flammable. Or non-flammable. Yeah, yeah. possibly. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And basically, we thought it was it, this episode was a important aspect for people out there listening go and have a read up about david lloyd george and his uh and his life and his political life more than his his personal life um his personal life is very interesting too but you know not really relevant for for a lot of things into oh here's a thing 
his um, uh, funeral, so he died March 1945. 1945. Uh, the people, thousands of people turned out for his, his funeral. Not a state funeral, he was, well, the, his his burial ground is fantastic. It's a work of art, mm. um, but I've I've seen footage of all of the lanes and fields all around, packed with people to 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 uh, give him a farewell, and that and that just shows you how important he was to people at the time, where you think he was a wartime pre- uh, wartime prime minister, who people believe that he was one of the sole reasons why we. Why the World War One, well, the Great War was won. He was one who brought in massive social reforms. He brought in policies that um, helped the working class and the and the underclasses. He reformed the House of Lords to an extent where um, they Tony Blair wouldn't have been able to done half the things he did if George no Lloyd, David Lloyd if George Do- done David Lloyd George hadn't have, have set those fam- and and Clement Attlee couldn't have done. Half no, as things argument. either. Well, he had to pass another act. Yeah, yeah, but then, but then, out, but, but, yeah. but then, but then that's the thing. It, all of those successes, and it, and and to where we are, well, certainly where we we went to, it was all started from David Lloyd George. So, by all means, you know, not just the uh, greatest Welsh politician to have ever existed, one of the greatest politicians. Hence, why his statue stands at the uh, door to the House mm. of Commons. Mm. You know, and and people do need to know his name. He should he should be held in just as high regard as a lot of people who hold Churchill to high regard. Yeah, you know, faults there too, but that that's that's the kind of level of politician. Oh, that's a whole podcast in itself. Yeah, that's it? a whole podcast yeah. in itself. <laughs> but that's the kind of level um, mm. that David Lloyd George should be held, and he should be remembered. Mm. And the fact that a lot of people today don't know him or um, know his name. If you talk about the prime ministers of the twentieth century, they'll say they'll say Thatcher, they'll say Clement Attlee, they'll say Churchill. Churchill, yeah. They should also say David Lloyd George. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to mention those, he's three, one of the greats. You say he is. He, yeah, he is absolutely yeah. one of the greats. Right then. So for all of you out there in podcast land, um, do have a look at yourself and do have a little bit of research into David Lloyd George because he fascinating character, great character, and um, as also. If you do, if you do want to share any of your comments or, or or views about David Lloyd George, you can contact us here on the two left feet on our email address, which is labourpod at gmail dot com. You can contact us through Twitter and Facebook. It's at labourpod. Uh, plenty of platforms and places you can leave comments on our on our, on our podcasts. We do read them all when we can, if we do find them. Um, and if if you if uh, we'll try and read out as many as possible on the podcast when we actually get them. Do you realise as well, this is episode 10. Is it? We've done 10 episodes. <gasps> That's a shock. Amazing. We're in double digits now, Jay. Mm. We're in double digits. So until next time, humanoids, uh, from me, your host, David Vaughan, and your friendly local neighbourhood councillor, Councillor Jabez Oaks. Bye. We say goodbye, farewell, and see you next time on the Two Left Feet. Goodbye. Goodbye.